welcome to Beer and Ballet's podcast. I'm your host, Amber, and I'm so excited for our guest today. Her main focus is building a positive atmosphere of love for your dancer's body, mind, and spirit. Owner of Dancers Who Lift, she advises and trains dancers in weightlifting tactics to hone the body to dance to its greatest capacity. Also want to give a shout out to her amazing puppy dog, Gamora. Please welcome Amber Tacy. That's so nice. Oh my gosh, you make me sound so professional. Hello. Hi, how you doing? Good. Gamora is here too. She's in the background. She's um, podcast shy, so she won't be saying anything, but she she does say hello. Uh (laughs) We give her all the puppy hugs. Exactly. Thank you so much for having me. Amber and Amber podcasting. I know, right? We got the best names of all time. I tell you, success lies in the name. Well, normally um, we'd be doing this podcast a little bit later, but you guys are listening to two working gals and we're doing this podcast today. Um, So I am sipping on a glass of hot water with some lime because it's very cold here in Baltimore. Oh, I've got some room temperature water. (laughs) Oh, nice, nice, nice. We're focusing on hydration today. (laughs) Hydration is key, people. We talk about this during class. Like, yes, we want the brews, but you better be hydrated as you drink the brews. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I told you when we were setting this up. I was like, I just don't think I can pull off a brew in the middle of the afternoon. (laughs) No, no. My afternoon be as successful as I need it to be. Yeah. Um, But maybe later this evening, I'll shoot you a text. Yeah, let me know what you're drinking on, sipping on. Exactly. (laughs) So Amber, I want to get straight into it and talk about all of your adventures with Dancers Who Lift and and your journey so far, but let's dive a little bit deeper first. And this is usually the question I always ask the dancers that I bring on. How did you start your dance journey? Oh, wow. Okay. My dance journey started, I think, similarly to a lot of dancers nowadays, just a mommy and me ballet class. But it ended up being, you know, daddy and me, my mom was working and they needed something to do with their toddler in the afternoons. So my dad would take me to, it was, you know, me and my dad, and then a room full of moms and kids learning how to do baby ballet. And it became, you know, one thing that we would do on just Tuesday afternoons. And then the next year it was Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday without dad and, you know, before I knew it, I was five years old and dancing competitively. And I just, I grew up in the studio. You know, I think like a lot of dancers, all of my best friends were in the studio. That's where home really felt like for me from five to 18. Yeah. I grew up dancing in central Virginia in just a little town called Stanton outside of Charlottesville. And um, yeah, when I was 18, I moved to New York to study at Marymount Manhattan College, which is where I have my degrees in dance science and psychology. And that is, that is the background in dance dancing. That's amazing. I love how your story starts out with a daddy and me dancing class. Baby class with, oh my gosh, my first costume from that I still have it was this little white tutu 
and it had lights on it. There was like a little LED switch in the back of the tutu, which is like probably not, like I don't think they would make this now because it would probably catch on fire. Sure. But in, in the 90s, there were no rules. So the tutu lit up when you flip the switch. So imagine like a dozen little kids on stage in these white tutus that light up and twinkle, dancing to twinkle, twinkle, little star. But someone thought it would be a great and cute idea, which I guess it was, to turn the lights off on stage. So you just see the twinkling of the students <laughs> running around. But I don't know how none of us fell off into like the pit, like the eight foot drop at the front of the stage as toddlers. That's that's exactly where my head went. I was like, oh my God, did someone like... <laughs> nobody nobody fell off. No one was harmed in the making oh, of this. Oh, thank thing. God. <laughs> Oh, I vividly remember being a child on stage in my light up tutu. This is amazing. And then they turn the lights off on us. Did you, was this during tech or during the show? Oh no, that was part of the show. That was part of the Oh quarter. my God. <laughs> it's the nineties. There are no rules. Nineties. Oh my God. There really we were, were no rules. <laughs> and we were. Look at us and now. Look at us now. We're good. <laughs> Yes. So that is that is where the journey began. Nice. <laughs> to dancing in the dark. And you were saying um, dance science as your major. Can you kind of talk about how that's different from like a dance BFA or you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's essentially when I went through the program, it was one of the only programs to offer a dance science degree. I had already done two years of undergrad thinking I wanted to get my graduate degree in physical therapy. Um, so taking all of those prereq classes. So when I transferred to Marymount, I had all these science classes and I was like, okay, I know I wanna dance. I know I love science. What am I gonna do? Dance science. So exercise science for dancers, essentially learning um, not just about the anatomy of dance, but also the chemistry behind what's happening with our muscles and the biomechanics and the physics about what makes dancers so special and so unique as athletes and as humans. That's pretty impressive. I've actually never really heard of dance science as a major within a college. So that's really impressive and and I feel very necessary. I don't know why I haven't heard of that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a highly specific skill set that we have as dancers. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense to kind of break it down from all of those different points of view. And a lot of people within my program did go on to, you know, be physical therapists, be athletic trainers, all of all of the things that encompass um, using, you know, that knowledge to help dancers. Yeah. Well, and then you graduate. Yes. And then New York. Here I was in New York, actually struggling. I was, I was not the shining star you know me to be. Oh. No, I graduated and thought I would walk off stage and immediately be handed a dance contract with, mm. you know, a modern company or a cruise ship or a national tour, which a lot of, you know, the folks that I graduated with did. It was like walk off stage on Friday, get a job on Saturday. Yeah. And that didn't happen to me. In, in that time, I was really struggling with um, an eating disorder, an image disorder, pushing myself to be this perfect version of a student, of a daughter, of a friend, just be perfect for everyone and putting so much pressure on myself that when I graduated college, I was not thriving. And many it was many, many months before I booked professional dance work. And when I booked that first job, <laughs> let me just sidetrack here, that first job 
was an outdoor experiential theater piece dancing oh. in the woods, essentially, in a white unitard in October in New York, <laughs> where the crowd, the audience was being driven on tractors from like station to station. What? If, this is when you like everyone has like their most bizarre dance job and I really like this is mine this is my star on the tree it's just a bizarre experience yeah so the audience would be driven on a tractor up to our station and we would come out in our spooky white unitards and white face paint and like scary dance at them when I was like yes thank god I have a degree for this perfect not great I think when I added it up I was making like and like one or two dollars an hour because we were being paid nightly so it was just so just like soul crushing it was like embarrassing work obviously people were not scared of me being in a white unitard dancing at them if anything they were just like very uncomfortable which like so was I sure yes <laughs> unitards um, do that sometimes <laughs> especially white um, unitards in Here. October let like yeah just, it was freezing. So yeah. And I was working a second job, obviously, because that wasn't, that was paying pennies. Um, so a second job at the front desk of a gym, just to try to pay my rent, feeling super depressed, bad about myself. I had this job that I didn't like. I was work, had to have a second job. I just had no idea what, what I was doing with my life really. Um, and then one fateful night dancing in the forest, I got my foot run over by one of those tractors. No. And obviously I could not dance for the rest of the night. And the next day I could not walk. And so I went to a doctor and I had severely injured. It wasn't a full rupture of my Achilles, but they were like, you are nearly there. So this injury meant zero dance for the next six months while I attended physical therapy. And at this point I was like, I'm cursed. Like I am never going to be able to dance at the high level that I want, that I see for myself. And I was, I was, you know, already, I didn't think I could get much more depressed, much worse than where I was at, Mm -hmm. but getting my foot run over and having that accident probably saved my dance career and definitely saved my relationship with myself, which, which probably sounds weird. Um, but let me explain Um, because I had that front desk job and, um, you know, my only job when I was working there was to check guests in and out of the computer and, um, occasionally, you know, answer a question, hand somebody a towel. So when we weren't busy, I was reading dozens of fitness articles you know, everything from like fat loss techniques to nutrition and how to properly do exercises. And I was not weightlifting at this point in my life. That was like, not, I saw people weightlifting because I was working at the gym, but yeah, I had not, I had never touched a weight up until this point until a coworker convinced me to stay after hours one day and train with them, which resulted in me throwing a temper tantrum on the street <laughs> in full-blown crying, stopping my feet, adult tantrum. Wow. Because as a dancer, I was so used to being quote good at movement and oh, being yeah. able to pick up movement. Mm-hmm. And for the first time I sucked. Like I was way weak and everything hurts. And <laughs> again, I was super depressed already at a low point, And now it's 
oh, something else that I'm not good at. Right. But that experience of learning about how the body works conceptually, and then also attending multiple physical therapy sessions every single week for the um, Achilles problem opened my eyes to a new way of looking at my dance career. And, you know, I had always thought of myself as a hard worker hard worker that pushed through pain. Like I think a lot of dancers do like, oh yeah, I can just push through, take some Advil, whatever. But the longer that I was in physical therapy and the deeper I got into learning about how the body works when you're really training it, the more glaringly obvious it became that I had just been abusing my body for years by overworking myself. You know, I thought I was this great dancer, this strong dancer, but I had weak tendons in my ankles. I had imbalances in my hips. I had tendonitis in my shoulders and wrist. I couldn't get out of bed some mornings without putting like an e-stim unit, like electrical unit on my back to stop back spasms so I could just get out of bed. God, and, yeah. and of course, then there's the countless minor injuries that, you know, da- dancers just deal with and you know, account for being a dancer, blisters and all of those things. But I was just an accident waiting to happen. So it was no surprise to my physical therapist when my Achilles pretty much gave out when it got run over by the tractor. And they were like, you're lucky it was just this. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, I was a dancer and dancers are pretty injury prone. I think a lot of times we chalk it up to be like a little joke of like, oh, we're just so clumsy. We're so graceful in the studio and so clumsy everywhere else. But I I think actually it boils down to us never being taught how to take care of our bodies, of our instruments. A thousand percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and we see that in, in beer and ballet. Totally. There's a lot of conversations we've had where um, there's some dancers you know, who come in age, you know, 30, 40s, um, a couple of years older than that. And they're like, yeah, I danced when I was 10 and I I keep going and I've been dancing forever and ever. And it's just my body sucks. And we just, we push through it nonstop. And And you're absolutely right. I mean, it is this education of, you know, one, being injured all the time is not a normal thing. <laughs> That's your body saying, no, something's wrong. You need to take time to fix it. And I think that is something that I personally, as a professional dancer, like you were one of the first people to say that, which is crazy to me in all of the training I've had, but, but it's true. Like you were one of the first people through Dancers Who Lift who said, Hey, if you have an injury, stop for a second. And also it's okay not to work 10,000% every single day of the week. Like it's impossible for your body to do that in all reality. Yeah. I mean, we as dancers are overtrained, under-recovered, underfed, overworked, and we are pushed by choreographers, directors, college professors who are pushing us to shrink our bodies instead of owning our own unique qualities and doing more for ourselves so that we can shine. And, you know, how, how can we possibly live our best dancer life if we're injured? How can we get that dream job, that dream gig, if, if we're sitting on the sidelines, if we can't make it through a week of rehearsals, you know, you're, it's just not going to happen. If you can't show up for your body, your body isn't going to show up for you. Hey 
hey, beer and ballet fans, just want to pop on in and chat about some of our classes that we're having. Yes, we're having online classes. It's through Zoom. Um, We are having beer hangouts after class too. So, hey, if you want to do some ballet, move around a little bit and meet some really great, amazing people, go ahead and visit us on Eventbrite. And we have bi-weekly classes. So, Um, There's a $5 donation that we have, and all of that money goes towards any of the endeavors that we hope to do with the idea of beer and ballet. So thanks so much for your support in advance, and I look forward to seeing you at the bar. Hey, let's get back to Amber Tacey with Dancers Who Lift. So we talked a little bit about your your beginning and and getting into the love of of lifting weights and where that kind of stems from. So... Mm -hmm you know, do you want to talk about like the in-between of now you're starting to lift weights. um, You're starting to be in that world of, I want to be good at this thing that all of a sudden I'm not good at. And I want to do this because you have a dancer, you know, soul and spirit. And we always want to like keep training and keep going. And then dancers who lift comes about. So, so what was that transition kind of like for you? Well, yeah, absolutely. It was such an eye-opening experience, those six months in physical therapy and starting my strength training and learning about how to eat for recovery, reading articles and blogs and diving into resources like Precision Nutrition, that for the first time, it made sense that like starving my body and being, quote, on a diet was doing more harm for me. How could I possibly build strong muscles? How could I possibly have resources available to recover and build strong tendons again? If I wasn't eating, if I wasn't fueling myself, if I was continuously working to break down my body, which is what happens when we work out and when we overtrain, our body literally breaks down. It's breaking of muscle fibers. Mm -hmm. So dancers who lift kind of happened when my physical therapist took notice of how well I recovered and was a very model student. I think if you've ever been in PT, sometimes occasionally you'll feel better and then stop doing the exercises Um, when the goal is to actually continue doing the exercises and get so comfortable and it becomes second nature that you're doing them constantly. But because I was there all the time, I had this, I had my degree in dance science. I had all this other background knowledge just from reading articles and applying it in the gym as I was learning how to, how to properly cross train that my physical therapists were like, listen, you're here all the time. Can we offer you a job? And so I actually started working as a personal trainer for the physical therapy office, which gave me a really unique insight. Um, Working, there were other dancers in New York who were coming in that I got to see what their injuries looked like. Um, There were gymnasts who were in New York who were, you know, I could see what their injuries looked like. I was looking at, um, you know, a 60 year old German man who wanted to get better at, you know, biking and bicycle racing, as well as, you know, seniors who just wanted to be able to sit and stand with um, strength and confidence. So I got a peek at what various bodies, ages, shapes, sizes looked like. And I took all this knowledge and I was applying it to myself. And this is when I started to see this whole new path for me. I was so excited about what I was learning that um, <laughs> I was posting on Instagram. I was posting on Facebook all the time, just telling people, did you know, if you do this, this could happen for your body or this move trains this muscle, like totally. Yes. And my best friend pulled me aside and she was so sweet. She was just like, listen, we love you. I'm excited for your journey, but you're really annoying. <laughs> no. 
way. <laughs> it was the sweetest. It was the best thing that she could have done. Um, because she was like, I think you just need like your space to talk about this, which is what I started the dancers oh. who live blog and the Pacific dancers who lift Instagram, because I was so excited to tell everyone that I had found this path that I really did discover the secrets for myself where I didn't have to be injured 24 seven and I wasn't starving at all times of the day and there were no good foods or bad foods anymore. And I had control over not only what my body looked like aesthetically, but what it felt like and how it performed and how it recovered. And I had, I had this path where I could re-enter the dance industry stronger and in a better mental state than when I left it. And it was like every opportunity in the world was suddenly opened up to me when I had this amazing transition and this amazing commitment to doing more for my body. You know, for the first time, as far back as I could remember, dance felt effortless for me. And, you know, instead of moving timidly um, to protect my joints or thinking in the back of my head, oh no, I better not go full out right now. I want to be able to move my neck tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, you know, I felt strong in what I was doing. I was making it all the way across the floor, bigger motions, higher jumps, being just being confident, standing in the front of class, standing in the front of an audition with my head held high because not only was it about me being able to, you know, know that I could do what moves were required for me, I could do that plus more and know that in my own, in my own right, in my own world, like, yeah, maybe this dancer does have a higher leg than me, but this morning I lifted 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. So there was just that little bit of confidence that, that seed that was planted that just kept growing and growing. And I had to share it. Yeah. Um, and people took notice. First, it was my friends who were reading my blog and maybe weren't as annoyed as I thought they were, but they read my blog, they read my stories, and they saw the change in me as a dancer and an artist. And, you know, they saw a change in my career as a dancer where, you know, suddenly I went from dancing in the woods in a unitard to booking off-Broadway performances and commercials and photo shoots and modeling gigs. And even, even booking my dream job in 2018, booking a cruise ship where I was able to travel around the world and get paid to dance and know that I was going to feel amazing and strong and confident the entire time. And that's where Dancer to Lift was born, was just me wanting to be able to share this superpower. Um, and these, and, and it's not even a secret, but these secrets with other dancers that you don't have to be at war with your body. It doesn't have to be as hard as we're making it. And it just, it all starts with transforming your mind so that you can find your your own groove in the industry. It's just finding that niche, right? Like it, dancers who, like you were speaking to before, who just professionally are not, it doesn't work right after college. Like you go and you, you take your whole life doing this thing that you absolutely love, tell everybody, um, nope, this is just what my life's gonna be. And all of a sudden it doesn't start working out. And then like beautifully this starts happening of finding this new love. And then, you know, you want to write about it. You want to tell people about it. And I think that's what's so special about this program is that you, even when we were training individually together and, and the group process, which we'll talk about in a second and all of that, but I constantly feel like I'm working with a pal, with a friend, with somebody who will constantly be there for me mentally, physically, spiritually throughout this whole program. And now, so, so you start doing this blog. 
mm-hmm. you start doing Insta because mm-hmm. that's, you know, Insta's our friend. And then we start doing personal training, right? Am I following the timeline correctly? Yes. And then we start really working with that and getting, you know, so we get all of these people together and now you're starting to build this huge community. And then all of a sudden, COVID. COVID, I know. COVID happens. What happened with y'all? Well, luckily, I... From the beginning, I wanted dancers who left to be accessible for the working dancers. So, you know, I wanted a program that when I was in my dance career, if I was on a cruise ship, I wanted to know how to protect myself, how to stay safe and strong while I was on a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. So from the beginning, Dancers Who Lift has been orchestrated as an online program that can go where the dancer goes and meet you as a dancer where you're at. So when you know, for the first time, everyone is home. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. We didn't have to pivot so much because so much of the program was already online, but, you know, suddenly everyone lost their job. I mean, our industry, we were shut down. We were, we were closed. And so I kind of had to make, you know, it's just, it's just me. I mean, I have, you know, my team, but um, I'm the one calling the shots. So at that time I was, I was giving away thousands, thousands of dollars every month of free coaching, because I was like, I understand, like, I can't get paid right now because you don't have a job, but it's what we're doing. The work that we're doing is more important than my paycheck Mm -hmm. and making sure that you as a dancer have a safe transition, not just for your body physically. I don't care if, you know, you go from working out five days a week to sitting on the couch Like, I don't care what happens to your body in terms of like physique transformation. Maybe you get softer. I don't care about that. What I care about is mentally where are you at? Because so many dancers are used to going 60 miles an hour all the time, never stopping, never slowing down. We bounce from audition to rehearsal, to class, to side hustle, to performance every single day that we never take time off. So what does it look like when suddenly all we have is time? And so I had the foresight, having been in that hard place in my life prior, where all I had was time, I wasn't dancing, I wasn't performing, I knew what a dark time that could be. So I wanted to make sure that I had the resources available for dancers who needed them. So um, yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic, when dancers lost lost their jobs, so many of the DWL fam came to me and they were like, I have to quit. I'm sorry. And I was like, no, we're just, we're going to keep going. Like nothing happened. We're going to push through. We're going to maintain your daily routines. We're not going to let this pull us down and bring us into that dark space. And that was just within the fam. And then, you know, I kept thinking, okay, but what about the rest of the community? What about the rest of the dance community? What can we do for them? Again, dancers who were used to going to ballet every single day or going to their dance class, their dance college classes, or even just having that community, that friend of meeting someone at an audition and then getting coffee afterwards, just that routine. So I made the Dancers Who Lift 21 Day Return Ready Challenge, which launched in May. Mm -hmm. And just it it was just 21 days of myself and my partner and my dog jumping around in the living room. I I thought this pandemic just, just, not to minimize it, but looking back, I'm like, I'm so so delusional. It's like, we'll be done. We'll be done in three months. We'll wrap this up. (laughs) 
<laughs> but you know, just I wanted something that dancers could do when it was time to return to the stage to quote unquote normal life. Something that you've taken your rest time, you've taken time to feel what you need to feel. What can you do for your body to get, I don't like the phrase in shape, but to remind yourself what movement and consistent movement and challenging movement feels like. So when you do get back into your dance classes, into your rehearsals, into an audition, your body doesn't go into shock. <laughs> so that's what the return ready challenge was, is. And that was so fun. And I, I made it and I was like, okay, I think the people who are already in the Dancers Who Lift community, and then a few of my friends will participate in this. And we might get like a hundred people who do it. And by the middle of summer, we had had 2,500 participants in this free challenge and grown the community and grown the Instagram. And people were coming to me saying like, this was so fun. This It was so good to have something consistent. And just for a lot of people, it was the first time that they have, have heard or had heard training, cross training spoken about in a way that directly impacts dancing. Um, not so much about toning or fat loss or shredding or all of those words that often get thrown around, but hey, here's a move that you can do that directly impacts this part of your dancing. And so, so having that feedback and having the community grow just from that has been so fun this past year. Yeah. And I remember taking part of that 21 day challenge and it, it is a doozy of a 21 day challenge people. I even brought in, uh, what I love about it too, is that we actually had a chance to like do it with people at home. Right. Cause like you were saying before, we we're stuck at home. And, uh, as a dancer, I work really well with people in the room. I really miss like being in the studio and and um, previously we had a podcast, we were talking to Christina Robson and she said, I just miss like dancing my heart out and then going like to the side of the room and high-fiving my friend, you know, of, yeah, you did that. So I, I made Ricky do it with me and, you know, everybody, Beer and Ballet, you know and love him. He's a, he's a theater nerd and he does his thing, but it was a really great conversation afterwards of like, how does this help you dancing wise? Mm -hmm. and, and he felt that. So it, it really does help also open the eyes of who's in the home of like, why do we as dancers really pay attention to our nutrition, to our bodies, to, to what we need to do to, in order to do the work that we want to do. Hey, beer and ballet fans, guess what? That was only part one. Um, yes, there are two parts within this awesome interview with Dancers Who Lift, Amber Tacey. In the meantime, while you're waiting for the next podcast, check out her Instagram, check out the Facebook, check out the website. There's so much information that's on those places for free. But also, if you're interested in some of her workout programs, totally affordable. Y'all, this is really great stuff. And I'm so honored that Amber had time and took the time to chat with us. She's a fantastic person to know, and I can't wait for you guys to hear more. So see y'all next time for Beer and Ballet's podcast. Can you believe we're doing this? I can't. Oh man, this is a wild new adventure. Thanks for joining. Bye y'all. Mm -hmm.